0: Straight out of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, certified trauma therapist and licensed psychologist. It's your favorite Philly girl, y'all, Dr. Dawn Galette Crawson, your host of Sanity Sessions for Sisters, keeping it together when you wanna fall apart, bringing you the real deal on all things trauma and mental health in the black community. Now, this podcast is for black women and women of color, but brothers, you don't wanna miss this either. While we are ever so grateful that you are tuning in and hope you find each and every episode useful and beneficial. Remember y'all, this ain't therapy and it is not intended to replace a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. What's up gang? What's up? So as you guys know, we are in our fall season, fall for you. And Fall For You is an extension of self-care. So we want to kick this season off. We got some great speakers lined up, but I want to kick this season off with some definitions or background on some of the things we're going to be discussing so that you will be in the loop and you will be able to reference this episode as well as other episodes to understand what we're talking about, right? Because I don't want to just be throwing terms around and, you know. You're like, what is Dr. Dawn talking about? Because Lord knows Dr. Dawn can talk about some stuff and think everybody knows what I'm talking about and they don't. <laughs> so we don't want to do that. Okay. So let's first talk about the superwoman schema. Cause I know that, um, <clears throat> some, I know I mentioned that in our intro episode. So in this episode, we're going to be looking at the superwoman syndrome. I'm going to give you more information about that as well as burnout. And then I wanna, I wanna tie the burnout into toxic stress and then trauma, okay? So those are the four things I'm gonna touch briefly on this episode. So again, I'm excited about this fall season and I hope, But you, as you know, the fall season is short, right? Cause we got started late because I was ill. So we don't have a lot of time left. Fall technically ends December 22nd. So we don't have a lot of time. This is already November, so let's jump in. Let's get started, okay? Superwoman syndrome, all right, right away. Now, to my brothers that are listening, this could apply to a male as well, okay? But as you know, super, uh, the podcast is geared towards black women, but brothers, I know I know you're out there, so I do got some brothers lined up for you, okay? So you don't want to miss this, especially if you have uh, a wife, significant other, you need to hear this stuff as well. But the superwoman syndrome schema can also apply to men in terms of the superman schema. Now, it's not identified like that in the literature, But some of these things, a lot of these things um, apply to you as well. All right, let's jump in. The Superwoman Schema involves perceived obligations to, number one, project strength. Number two, suppress emotions. Number three, resist feelings of vulnerability and dependence. Number four, succeed despite limited resources. And number five, prioritize caregiving over self-care. Okay. So those are the five things that you'll see in the superwoman schema. Now, again, I'm going to repeat those. Project strength, suppress emotions, right? So just not allowing ourselves to feel or acknowledge that we're feeling. Resist feelings of vulnerability and dependence. So that's pretty much not asking for help when we need help. Succeed despite limited resources. So this idea that we're supposed to be able to uh, push and be the best that we can be, which, you know, is understandable in many cases, but without the same resources as other groups and prioritize caregiving over self-care. Those are the five things. So I say in a nutshell, that means that we believe that we are supposed to be all things to everyone at all times to such an extent that we neglect ourselves. That's what I uh, define the superwoman schema in a nutshell. But remember, prioritize caregiving over self-care is the whole point of I'm not taking care of myself and I'm, I am just pushing to the point where I'm not even looking at myself. So one of the things that led me to this, you know, I, t- I try to share as much as possible without um, crossing too many boundaries is the whole, um, being a high achieving woman. So I'm a high achieving woman. um, very productive. And we'll talk a little bit about what high achieving means as well and so uh i struggle with the superwoman schema i like to say i'm a survivor of the superwoman syndrome or that i am someone who uh has re- is a recovering superwoman because because i'm high achieving so i don't want ladies out there to feel like because they're high achieving, that um, this is an issue or they're they're being judged. Because I do feel like at one point in time, when I first started doing um, information and research about the superwoman schema, as well as burnout and all those types of things, that we kind of got this message sometimes from people, um, maybe mentors, sometimes in the literature or sometimes other areas of social media where high achieving um, is not a good thing. You know, that, you know that we, a lot of high achieving women are doing this because of some type of insecurity. So I don't even want to hold you. Dr. Carlson is not, um, Dr. Dawn is not a stranger to insecurities. I think we've all had our fair share of insecurities, whether we want to admit them or not. However, What I, I don't want the women, ladies listening to think that, oh, high achieving is a bad thing. No, I don't want you to feel judged because you have these ambitions and whatnot. That's not the case at all. What I want to pull out of us or want us to see that we can be high achieving women without burnout. So we can do this. We can still be productive and we can still, you know, because some of us just have more energy than others. You know, I have been told that I am a very high energy individual. I know that I am. And I can remember at times I felt judged and it might've just been my own perception for being so high energy. Like I was trying to prove a point when I really just had a lot of energy. I like to do a lot of things, had a lot of ideas, um, was very creative and wanted to be a part of a lot of different projects. So that was just the way I was built. It took me a while to embrace that. And so uh, so it's nothing wrong with that, ladies, but we just want to be able to balance that out. And I don't know if the word balance is accurate, but we want to be aware of when we start to cross over into the superwoman schema. So again, no judgment here. That's how you are. you somebody who likes to do a lot of different things, who like your hands on a lot of different projects. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a great thing. Go for it, sisters. I'm here to uh, support you. However, we can be high-achieving women or productive women with high-productive women without burnout. So that's, that's a little bit about the superwoman syndrome. Okay. Now we want to take a look at what I mean when I say high achieving or productive women. So a lot of times I'll have women that I mentor, um, my mentees or just women I support in general in the community or in my family think that high achieving or productive women mean necessarily means academia. Or, like, having these powerful jobs in somebody's big company. Um, and so, I want to be really clear to, to let people know that it could be any type of high achievement. It can be high achievement at your church. You may be someone who is in ministry or a leader in the church, and you are doing a lot in the church, and you are seen as very productive, a dependable member. You could be a high achieving person within your, um, in your organization whatever job you have and not necessarily be a ceo or a doctor or anything of that nature you're just somebody who's you know you're you're a good employee you got a good job you're smart you know what you're doing and people rely on you and you're one of those team members that they know that if they come to you things can get done you may be a high achieving person within the family so work may not be you know your priority it may be just a place you go and you're like "I, i like my job but it's you know Uh, that's it. But your family members depend on you. So you might be the, the high achieving person in the family in terms of coordinating all the family events. Everybody in the family comes to you for advice. Um, you may be the person who's always hosting the events. So I don't want us to get caught up with high achieving necessarily meaning academia or these power punching jobs or anything, financial jobs or corporate jobs or anything like that. No, it could be that, Yes. So yes, it could be the CEO or the doctor, medical doctor or a psychologist or therapist, but it could also be that family member, that matriarch in the family, that ministry worker, you could be um, the high achieving person. We, the volunteer, uh, a, a, a situational organization that you volunteer at, and they're like, she is a awesome volunteer. She has leadership uh, potential, or you're a leader uh, person in that volunteer organization, and you may be that person who just organizes everything. So please do not get stuck in that idea of what that means in terms of high achieving. So I wanted, I wanted to make sure I pointed that out before we jumped into burnout. Now to talk about burnout, <clears throat> I think we should first get into a little brief discussion about stress. Okay. So let's look at stress. So there are, I think it's three altogether. So the first one I want to talk about is eustress. Eustress is uh, good stress. Okay. So, you know, having stress is not a bad thing. Okay. Stress is not a bad thing. So eustress is considered good stress. And that's that positive response one has to a stressor. Now I want you guys to keep in mind that you stress is dependent upon one's feelings of control and desirability and timing. It is not defined by the stressor, but instead how one perceives the stressor. So like, for instance, uh, I'll use a death in a family. Now, most of us, you know, majority of us, uh, when somebody dies, that's a sad, th- that's a sad time, right? We miss that person. Um, we long for that person it's just a sad time. And and if it was a tragic death that could add to the, the sadness and add to the stress, right? The stress of losing someone. However, that may not be the case for everyone. Someone may lose like an elderly person that they've been caring for, for a long period of time, a loved one, and that person may die and be out of pain. And that person may feel like the person that's experiencing the death may feel like this is a good thing because that person is no longer in pain. And they may not, take that on as bad stress, you know, they may feel like, you know, yes, I'm going to miss them, but this is a good thing because I, I I was stressed watching them suffer. Right. So again, it is defined. It's not defined by the stressor. So even though someone may think death is a bad stressor, right. If the person that's experiencing doesn't see it as bad, they, if they perceive it as a good thing, yes, I'm going to miss them, but this overall is a good thing. Right. Um, then that is considered you stress, that's a good stress. So I want you guys to keep in mind the perception of the stressor. A lot of times we see the stressor itself. We say, oh, that's, that's horrible, but it's, but it's, but it's relative. I, I talk about things being relative all the time when we're together, right? So it's relative. What may be horrible to you may not be re- horrible to another. We've had this conversation when we discuss trauma, what may be traumatic to one person may not be considered traumatic to another person. Now the event itself may be a traumatic event, but it may not produce trauma in everyone that experienced it. Okay. So we want to keep that in mind. It's the same thing about a stressor. A stressor is a stressor, but how the person perceives it will decide whether or not it is bad stress or good stress. Okay. So think of it as a, what you stress is a negative threat versus a positive challenge. So someone may consider something bad. You stress is good stress. So if a person is experiencing that and sees it as um, a positive challenge, then that's eustress. If someone else perceives it as a negative challenge, then that goes into other types of stress, which you would be called not so good stress or bad stress. Okay. Eustress, um, is is def- something that person perceives as uncomfortable, but yet leads to personal growth. Okay. It's uncomfortable, but leads to personal growth. And so this occurs when the gap between what one has and what one wants is slightly pushed, Okay. So, you know, it's the gap between, okay, this is what I have and, but this is where I want to be, or this is what I want to do is slightly pushed, but they're not overwhelmed by it. Okay. They're not, I'm overwhelmed by it. So you generally will see it as positive. The person will be positive. They're energized by it. Um, they see it as a short-term thing. Um, they see it as an a opportunity to improve their performance or some characteristics, personal characteristics of themselves. And they also see it as, uh, something within their, um, coping mechanisms, something that they can definitely handle. Okay. So that's what we call you stress. Now, a lot of folks say, I don't want any stress at all, but no stress is not good. No stress at all is not good because then you don't have any excitement and you don't have any stimuli and then you're lethargic, you're dull and you're unenthusiastic. Now I know that we generally throw that around. Like I want a stress-free life, but you don't want no stress. Cause remember <clears throat> stress itself is not bad. It's how we perceive it. That makes it bad. Okay. So no stress causes our brains to be stagnant, you know, now keep in mind, like studying for a test. Um, that's, that's, that could be considered good stress based upon how you perceive it, right? Cleaning your house. That's just that's considered a stressor, right? So it could be good stress or it could be negative stress based upon how you perceive it. Okay. So stress itself is a stressor, but we, we often talk about stress, negatively, but stress itself is a stressor. Okay. So I hope that's clear. Email me, DM me if you have any questions about that. Okay. So some examples of that good stress that we may need more of is getting to know someone like someone we really like going out, meeting people, studying for a new qualification over a period of time. That could be considered good stress. That's something that we need more of over a period of time. Notice that I didn't say cramming for a test. Because cramming for a test can often turn into that negative stress that we don't want. Learning and adapting to new routines and cultures when traveling, excellent, excellent form of use stress. Networking and connecting, that's good stress with others to grow ourselves and our businesses, that could be good stress. Performing at our best, so like competitive sports or a fitness activity, that as well can be considered good stress. Keep in mind that there's limits here. When we start to take on too much, it can go into the negative place but keep in mind it's based upon how much we can handle and how we proceed it all right so enough of that because I will run that into a hole also um preparing for something for like uh work preparing and working towards a big goals or events could be considered that good stress developing new skills especially where we have to practice to improve like a hobby or a language or a sport that could be good stress. Getting over a rejection, whether it's a job, relationship, or some other opportunity. Okay. you stress can sustain us during that time, help us learn and grow as individuals, and find the silver lining. Again, how we perceive it. Stay in the course with personal development, even when it gets tough. Okay. This is especially relevant for coaching and therapy. It's you stress that will help our clients keep working on themselves or help us to keep working on themsel- ourselves and turning up for coaching sessions, even when the going gets tough. That's all good stress. It's not always comfortable, right? But it's pushing us to better le- limits and levels. That's considered good stress, and that's you stress. Again, we don't want to have no stress. Now, if not careful, you stress can start to push into an area of distress. And again, this is based upon our ability to cope our adaptability, and also our ability to manage what we have, knowing how to weigh things out, right? So acute stress is a negative type of stress. So this comes and goes relatively quickly. That's that fight or flight. It's a response to an immediate perceived threat. Now, this can be real or imagined. So examples of this could be like almost having a car accident or pressure to meet a deadline. So both generally do not cause widespread health problems, okay? So acute stress, negative type of stress, right? But it comes and goes quickly. So like, let's say that's like driving down the street, somebody pulls out in front of you, your heart uh, uh, rate increases, you slam on the brakes, that's that's acute stress, right? It comes and goes quickly. Um, and it doesn't generally cause widespread health problems because it comes and goes quickly. Pressure to meet a deadline comes and goes quickly. So generally does not cause widespread health problems. However, it is still considered a negative type of stress because your body goes into that fight or flight, okay? But because it can go quickly, I mean, go really, it can, um, I'm sorry, Uh, let me get it right. Yep, because it can just kind of dispel relatively fast, it's not considered negative, okay? I mean, it is considered negative, but it's not considered life-threatening or anything that could cause widespread health problems, okay? So that is acute stress. Now chronic stress, again. So chronic stress, again, a form of distress. And this is when you stress is pushed past our limits, pushed past our ability, and we're no longer perceiving this stressor as a positive event, right? That's stress that's overwhelming. Chronic stress. That's overwhelming stress. So it happens frequently, lasts for long periods of time. This stress response is triggered over and over again. Okay. So it, it happens a lot. It should you know. It just it happens a lot. So acute stress can turn into chronic stress because now it's happening every day or a couple times a day. Um, and it lasts much longer than what it should. Okay. And this happens over and over and over again. And what happens in that, in those moments, our bodies do not return to pre-stress state. Okay. We never get to calm fully down because we're once again, experiencing the stress repeatedly over and over and over again. So some examples could could be poverty right this is why we say african-american people as well as people of color at at a disproportionate rate to experience toxic stress because of things like poverty as we know in this country capitalism and you already know the, the um pay equity um is just jacked up right so all of those things is messed up for us as people of color and african americans so we are more at risk for this type of chronic stress abuse dysfunctional family life very difficult job That is examples of chronic stress, okay? All right, and so what we wanna be careful with chronic stress is that, you know, the the effects of chronic stress can be damaging, very damaging on our health. There is a link between it and our metabolic syndrome. It's also linked to heart disease, stroke, and type two diabetes, all right? Completely lowers our immune system and an increased incidence of common cold. So there's a a relationship between common cold, allergies and chronic stress because there is a chronic inflammation that's going on in our body. And because of that, it is also thought to be one of the root causes of cancer. Now I can speak directly to that because my older sister, I spoke to you guys about her a couple of times on the podcast, how she was um, a bodybuilder, wonderful shape wonderful, wonderful shape. Oh my gosh. She was in awesome shape. Took care of herself. At one point she was vegan, got cancer, beat it the first time. Second time when she left though, they told her in order for you to fully recover, you gotta stop. Uh, you gotta take a lot of stress out of your life. She did not. And she died prematurely because of stress. The the cancer came back. So stress, big, big, big connection between chronic stress and cancer. All right. So then, you know, some effects of that, it damages the brain, um, it increases cortisol levels and too much cortisol can damage cells in the brain affects memory and learning. Okay. So we want to be careful about that. Men, it can reduce your sperm count. Okay. Stress can, uh, chronic stress can reduce your sperm count. So remember we use stress, the word the, the words stress interchangeably, but we got to be careful with that. We got to be careful with that because stress is not a bad thing. Stress is not a bad thing. It is what we do with that stress and how we perceive that stress. That's what makes it bad. So you, we want a little bit of stress because we want our brains to be active. Okay. So the effects of chronic stress can impair judgment. Um, we start to make unhealthy lifestyle choices. Sometimes we resort to alcohol, like three and four glasses of wine per day, sugar retreats, drugs, cigarettes, poor relationships causes us to be irritable, jumpy, angry, and dissatisfied, and eventually will lead to burnout. So I gave you all of that to talk briefly about burnout as well. Okay, so that's, we want you to understand that burnout is the result of chronic stress. And burnout is just defined as prolonged response to chronic emotional and interpersonal stressors on the job, which consists of three components. Exhaustion, depersonalization, which is just, disengagement or detachment from the world around us and diminished feelings of self-efficacy in 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 our lives in the workplace in our lives in various areas of our lives and self-efficacy just means the ability to actually get it done and and, and do it well okay and it does reflect a form of energy depletion now keep in mind you can get burnout in the home and your family it is not just at your job okay but you hear a lot of it in terms of jobs and you tend to hear burnout relate more to the human and health services fields because we're dealing with people and dealing with people's problems and medical problems, mental health problems, and it can be heavy. It can definitely be heavy. So you don't hear it often talked about in other facets of life, but it, it is bigger than our jobs. Okay. Now, um, so, so I don't want you thinking like, I don't have a stressful job. So burnout doesn't apply to me. Nope. It could apply to you within your home. If you're taking care of a loved one, just, you know, being a parent, a mom, friendships, relationships, you can get burnt out. Okay. Um, but human services workers such as therapists, coaches, we are inherently prone to burnout, you know, because we have contact with people, high caseloads. A lot of times not, we've never paid the amount that we should be getting paid. Right. All right. So, um, some causes of burnout is overworking, skipping lunch or break, failure to schedule vacations, lack of social supports, isolated isolation lack of extracurricular activities so when we say overworking we mean overworking in every area of our lives you know professional uh, um, and personal so not just work and some personality characteristics that may make us more prone to burnout is perfectionism pessimism cynical being cynical a reluctance to delegate. you know that's all part of superwoman syndrome right and being a high achiever type A personality, so nothing wrong with being a, a high achiever. So, we're going to learn more about this throughout this season, nothing wrong with that. But we got to be mindful that how that ties back into um, how we take care of ourselves, okay? Because a lot of times, as a high achiever, we aren't aware of exactly what we're going through or what's happening in our bodies because we're just moving. I know for me, again, I, I share with you guys constantly, I, I was unaware of it because physically I didn't feel depleted, but I could tell in how I related to people. I was shorter and shorter with folk. And that's when I began to understand it doesn't come out necessarily for me in my body. Sometimes it does, but most time it does not. Okay. So if you want more about toxic stress, you want to check out episode two in our first season, which is, um, the skinny on trauma that talks a little bit more about toxic stress. Okay. Okay. So, um, more about, um, So let's go on. We want to move on quickly because I, you know, I hate long episodes. I do. I hate, I hate it. I don't want you guys to be bored to death. (laughs) I don't know. Some people like them. I don't like long episodes. Um, but you can always let me know how you feel about that. Okay. Now, how is toxic stress related to trauma? Because once we are trauma ties in our bodies, um, if we perceive that trauma um, as a negative event in terms versus a positive life challenge, so when I say a positive life tra- challenge, trauma is never a positive right but 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 some of I have people that I have done therapy with that looked at the trauma as a, a challenge for them to to um, overcome. And they, they perceived it differently. So while it was a stressor and was, and while it was not a positive, uh, thing or event, they used it and turned it into, you know, I'm going to get the help that I need. I'm going to help other people. I'm going to, you know, in this, this event here, um, challenged me, you know, not that I wanted it, not that it was a good thing, but I challenged it. I have tons of clients that view the uh, trauma, traumatic events that way. However, most of my clients or most of the people I come across that I serve or in any type of capacity tend not to see trauma as, um, in a positive light. Again, what I want to say repeatedly, cause I don't want any emails about this. Trauma is never positive. Never. Nobody asks for it. Nobody wants it. Not a good thing. However, I do have, you know, clients that look at trauma as a challenge. Like, okay, this happened. It was awful, but I'm not going to let it defeat me. Okay. And there's no judgment either way. If you don't look at it that way, that's fine because it shouldn't happen in the first place. But then I have groups of clients that don't see it like that. Like this happened to me, I'm defeated by it. And that's when we come together to work to try to, um, reframe things and for them to gain some skills to, to go on to be their best version of themselves. Okay. So, however, Trauma, after, after it happens, if we're not able to cope with it and we don't have the coping skills that we need or we don't gain the coping skills that we need through the process, it can begin to tear our bodies down and it mimics the toxic stress becomes the toxic stress in our bodies. That is that chronic stress that we talked about. Toxic stress is that chronic stress that begins to tear down our immune system, tear down our um, our, brain, uh, our cognitive functioning, tears down our um, health internally, right? And then it also impairs some of our thinking processes because we, have, we can walk away with some distorted thinking patterns. Now, this doesn't happen with everyone, but it can, right? And so we want to be mindful of that. That's what the connection is. So if you are someone who have experienced trauma and you find yourself stuck, right, which many of us find ourselves stuck in these types of situations, you want to start seeking out some treatment, right? And we'll talk a little bit more about some of the things that we can do at the end. Okay. So that's how trauma is linked into all of that. Now, um, I did want to share with you that there's this process called weathering. We'll talk more about that throughout the season. Weathering is, uh, where you see how the cells begin to, um, age and black women, I believe our cells, and this was Dr. Omalara talked about it, this in her, um, episode and was this um, summer, she was our final episode in the summer season and I'll link it in the show notes, but African-American women's cells, um, actually weather, I think seven times more than uh, white women because of the trauma and the um, toxic stress that we endure in our, in this, this country. Okay. So these things are important, ladies, listeners, this is important. Okay. We want to be mindful of these terms and these topics so that we can take care of ourselves and get the help we need. All right. So those are all the links. So we talked about superwoman syndrome, burnout, we broke burnout down and we linked it a little bit into trauma. Now let's talk about, um, self-love. Let's talk about self-love so i forgot to tell you guys that i would be talking about (laughs) self-love in the beginning of the episode so self-love you guys self-love gang self-love okay so self-love is the ability to love yourself a regard for self so that means i have a high regard for myself now we're not talking about selfishness narcissistic behavior, or self-centeredness. We're not talking about that, right? We are talking about a positive regard for ourselves, embracing the aspects of self that you most dislike. Now that we're going to talk about that so much this season, because that was a big struggle for Dr. Dawn. So I am excited to talk about the gains that I've made. Thank God for Jesus. Cause I ain't do it on my own strength, but embracing the aspects of self. You most dislike. We cannot love ourselves until we're able to look at our insecurities, our weaknesses and be like, you know what? I'm still okay. I'm still okay. I also want to add to that definition, the ability to be alone, comfortable in your own skin and you like yourself like you're, you like yourself. So that means that if I get a mate, that's wonderful. That's great. But I don't, I'm okay if I don't, I want to go to the movies. If I can go to the movies with my friends, that's great. But if my friends are not going to the movies, you know what? That's okay too. That doesn't mean or dictate who I am or say that I'm a bad person. Now, ladies, and I'm going to say particularly the ladies, because I see this a lot, especially in my mentees, they'll tell me, Oh yeah, I like myself. You know, I buy myself nice stuff. I like myself. And however, some of the choices that I see them make, I'm like, do you, do you like yourself? Because if you liked yourself, which you had dated that bozo, cause he was a bozo from the door, from the door and the, or they're going to be in this relationship. Can't be alone. Cannot be alone. I'm sorry, guys. I keep hitting the mic. I, I talk with my hands. I apologize. Can't be alone. And so they find themselves struggling to, you know, do anything without him, wherever he's at, they need to know where he's at, you know, um, and they just have to, and so they break up with this person, come to find out they was going with him, he wasn't going with them, and then find another man within, not even a week, not even a week, sometimes 30 days, but not even a week. So... I want you to really be true to yourself about this because this is about you. This is an extension of self-care. This is not a criticism. This is not a judgment. You, you're you not alone. You are not alone. Like I said, I've struggled with this area significantly and I'm so excited about the gains and sharing with you the gains, but it's not a... You know, you don't get to the end of the the road and be like, oh, I've done it. It's over. No, this is a constant battle. This is a constant walk. This is a constant journey. Like this is areas I always have to work on because I'm a black woman with an opinion and a voice. So you already know that I got haters. I got haters of all kinds of colors. We all got some haters, silent haters, right? We got silent ones. We got vocal ones. And sometimes we can internalize that stuff. So you're not by yourself. But I want you to be real and true to yourself and really examine, do I love myself? And you may love yourself in some areas, but you might have to tighten it up in another area. And don't think you love yourself because you buy yourself fine jewelry and nice clothes or that you're on the internet um, calling yourself queen or whatever every day. Don't think that means you like yourself. This is an inside job. Look inside. Look at the choices that you make. Do your choices reflect a love and like for yourself? Do the foods that you eat reflect a love and like for yourself? Do you take care of your body? Does that reflect a love and like for yourself? Do you have proper boundaries in your relationships? Does that reflect a love for yourself or a like for yourself? Okay, so those are some deep questions, right? But we got all season to answer them like we got a long time. You know, ain't got no long time. All right, so how does this all link into the superwoman syndrome? <clears throat> Stress, self love, possible trauma, and uh, burnout. How did this all leak into the superwoman syndrome? Because we are going to be focusing on self love and how that plays into superwoman syndrome for all those of us that are high achieving women that are finding ourselves in burnout. Okay. So, how it plays into it is this oftentimes we find ourselves overperforming, functioning, high uh, overfunctioning, I'm sorry, overperforming over-functioning and auditioning because we don't love ourselves. And sometimes we're not aware of it. So I know for myself, I was high achieving on the outside. I looked like I was doing the do, finished my doctorate program, um, was working full-time, going to school full-time, still finding time to be with my husband and children. So it looked like we were living a life. And I was in my early 20s, no, late 20s, right? Because I got my doctorate. I think I was 30, 31, somewhere around there. And on the outside, it looked good. But on the inside, a lot of what I was doing was to prove a point, to prove that I was worthy. I didn't like myself, right? And so I found myself functioning in that superwoman space. And at that time, superwoman syndrome wasn't as, you know, not a lot of information out there like we may have now. I found myself trying to validate myself. And so a lot of times when we don't love ourselves, right, right? we can find ourselves trying to overperform overfunction audition to to get that external validation when in all actuality that, that validation has to come from the inside and again mine's come from my relationship with Jesus Christ but when i find myself faltering i know that there's something missing there's something going on with how i feel about myself and my relationship with Christ right so that's how the self love and superwoman syndrome kind of plays into place the trauma comes into place because a lot of times trauma will cause us to have to develop a lot of insecurities and we work make up for those insecurities oftentimes by performing over functioning and auditioning in our relationships. And we'll get into those terms because those terms are pretty deep, but the performing is showing up and trying to earn that love and the auditioning is showing people that, hey, I'm good enough to love. Hey, I'm here. I'm I'm showing you I'm, I'm showing you all that I can bring to the table. So, I'm good enough to love, right? So, a lot of times those things come as a result of trauma. The trauma can have caused such a negative impact on how we view ourselves because we tend to sometimes walk away thinking we did something wrong. It's our fault, right? So, that's how the trauma plays into the possible uh Superwoman syndrome. Self love as well. And so the stress comes into it because once we go into that high achieving woman and we're not to the point where we're showing up um for everyone all the time to the point that we neglect ourselves, then our bodies slip into the stress. And remember the definition of superwoman syndrome in a nutshell shell is being all things to everyone all the time to the point of neglecting ourselves. So that's how all of those are interconnected. All right, so what so a couple things. What do we want to take away? So if you, you hear all of this stuff, right, there are ways that we are going to manage this. First, I want to point out to you that, you know, as we say all the time, this is a supplement to um, a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. So the first thing I'm going to say is if you find yourself out of the, we haven't even gotten into the concepts deep, right? But if you listen to the superwoman syndrome, you're like, you know what? I might, I think I got that. Or I don't like myself. I really don't like myself. Seek got a therapist. Find yourself a therapist. Don't let this podcast be your therapist because I'm not your therapist. I'm your favorite psychologist, girl, but I'm not your therapist, right? Incorporate self-care into your life. And we you you look at season one, we talk about self-care, all types of self-care tips, but just start walking every day, you know? Taking a hot bath, meditation, five-minute meditation, all this stuff is free. So start incorporating self-care into your life, um, into your daily re- routine. And then you want to develop a positive support system. As well, all right. And if you're already doing self care, increase your self care a couple times um, a day. So that could be five minute meditation a couple times a day, okay? So those are some ideas to start with. And again, tune in, add this to your self care, all right? And last but not least, um, there is a way to join the same gang. I will put the link in the show notes, okay? But we want you to be a part of the same gang community. As part of the community, we are growing, we are expanding. I got marketing coaches and, and business coaches that that's going to help me bring a lot of digital um, downloads and offerings to you guys. But if you join the same gang, again, the link is in the show notes, you will have access to those um, digital downloads for free. Some of them are free and some are for a nominal price. Okay. So that's part of my digital swag bag. Yeah. Dr. Dawn, she coming up in the world, right? You'll receive offers and other um different other things too, as well. So please, please, please join the same gang. We want you to be a part of the same gang. And again, brothers, you can join the same gang too because we do have some brothers that's part of the gang, all right? All right, then, I'm out of here. See you soon. That's a wrap, gang. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found it useful. Don't forget to rate and review us wherever you listen to our podcast and check out the show notes for how to connect with us at sanitysessionsforsisters at gmail.com, on Instagram at drdormonthereal, and our Facebook group, the same gang. All right, now, I'm out of here, gang. Until next time, stay sane.